Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 492. I'm back from Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas, and I want to share my thoughts on sailing on Royal Caribbean's newest ship. Here we go. Recently, I went on Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas, did a seven-night cruise for my kids' spring break. This is actually my fourth time, I believe, on Wonder of the Seas since she launched, and, you know, being that we go on a cruise, we like to share our experiences here on the podcast with all of you and give you an in-depth look at what Wonder is all about and what stood out about this cruise primarily. Because at the end of the day, the overall experience tends to be more similar than not, whether you're talking about Wonder or Mariner or Odyssey. But for this cruise, I was looking at a couple of different aspects of it. And when I come back from the sailing now, I wanted to share with you my thoughts about this Wonder of the Seas cruise. Now, as I said, we booked this cruise for spring break. Uh, my kids were going on here. They have the time off. So, hey, it's our usual cruise. We almost always take a cruise for spring break. Actually, we always take a cruise for spring break pretty much because of these days, it's tough to take the kids out of school. You know, we did an episode a while back about whether or not to take your kids out of school, you know, to go on a cruise or otherwise for that matter. And these days, man, it's like it, it, talk about butting heads when it comes to that decision. So, we're not going to get into that whole discussion here, but I will say that when it comes to spring break, it's a built-in week off, we're going to go on a cruise. And when it comes to spring break cruises, let's talk about that for a second, because that usually conjures up a number of different reactions from a lot of different cruisers that are there. And I was actually really surprised. I'm still surprised by people who point out how many kids are on a cruise or not. I, I Maybe I've been on different cruises than everybody else, but Royal Caribbean has always been a family cruise line. There have always been kids on a cruise. I don't know about you. I can't tell the difference between 700 and 1,000 kids on a particular sailing. What I mean by that is if you go on a cruise, you know, let's say two weeks before this particular sailing I went on, there were still going to be a number of kids on board, a couple hundred of them, certainly, right? And whether there's, you know, 500, 700, or 1,000 of them, does that matter much? I mean, more so than if there's, you know, a, a couple hundred more seniors or a couple hundred more 20-somethings? I, I don't know that it does. I To me... Nice thing I always liked about Royal Caribbean is there's always been a good mix of ages, right? You've got the kids, you've got the 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 newlywed ages or just people in their twenties, I suppose. You've got the baby boomers, you've got the senior citizens, you've got wherever the heck I am, and you know it's not like it ever really skews heavily in one direction or another, unless you're doing a particular oddball itinerary, perhaps like Panama Canal or transatlantic tend to skew a little bit older because they're much longer sailings, you get less kids on there, but. Generally speaking, especially for a Caribbean cruise, they're all pretty much the same. I don't know. I, maybe just because I've got kids, it doesn't really phase me as much. But I, even from when I went on my first Royal Caribbean cruise to today, there's always been kids on board. I don't understand this obsession with how many kids are on board or this idea of, you know, oh, I wish there was an adult-only cruise for Royal Caribbean. I was like, I mean, I, I maybe you're just wishing in the sense of the same way that I wish I'd get, I'd win a million dollars. Not going to happen, right? But I, I don't know. I, I call me crazy, and I'm sure some of you are. Uh, I, I just don't understand the obsession, and I don't know if that's the right word for it. But there's always this discussion when you go on various message boards, and even when you're on board the ship, well, there's a lot of kids on board. Yeah, it's Royal Caribbean. What did you expect there was going to be? I, I, I just don't know why that would be a surprise of any kind. Now. I'd also point out, and this is something my wife and I talked about, was the fact that it is spring break. And when you're taking a cruise in the month of March, and even so in April as well, it is a heightened time for families to be on vacation, similar for summer as well. That just comes with the territory. So if you're really dead set on having the least amount of kids on board a cruise ship, March is not the time for you. Or at least take not a Caribbean cruise. You can go take a transatlantic crossing or defer your cruise to a different time of the year, like, you know, January or early February, something like that, where, you know, it's not the case. So there's a little bit of that involved with it, but nonetheless, there were kids on there. Now, I will say, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've said all this about how much, you know, it doesn't bother me there are kids on board. I do think that there was on this particular sailing, not only a lot of kids, but also a lot of older kids. And this, I think, is to Royal Caribbean's credit, is that they've always been viewed as a good cruise line if you have older children. So, you know, when you when we talk about older children, what I'm really talking about is kids that are probably in double-digit ages, below 18, somewhere tweens and, and and teenagers, certainly. And, you know, this is something that's, this is not a new phenomenon. So let's not pretend that this is something that's only been happening here in 2023 or 22. This has been happening for years and years and years and years. 
But the teenager issue is something that I think we should probably talk about a little bit here because it seems like I've just noticed more, or maybe people are just <laughs> posting more about it, you know, issues with teens and primarily just their, their roaming, if you will, right? This happens more in the evening than it does in the, in the morning or afternoons, but essentially in the evening hours, teens are, you know, generally seen in the, in the hallways and in the staircases. The running joke is, you know, the, the, the most popular teen club on a Royal Caribbean cruise is the staircase. And I remember I was at a media event with Royal Caribbean and Michael Bailey was talking about the teen club. I'm not sure if he was talking about the one that was coming on icon. Cause it was the icon event. Anyway, he was talking about the teen club and regardless of the fact he said, you know, Royal Caribbean spends millions of dollars building these awesome teen clubs, but the teens always end up in the stairwells because it's just their, their thing to do for whatever reason. Right. And I don't like I, if teens want to hang out, whether they're at Sorrento's, they're on the pool deck, they're in the teen club, or they're sitting in the stairwell, you know, they're doing their thing. They're socializing. They're usually pretty good. I mean, they're, you know, I think the issue people have is the teens that, you know, run up and down a deck or what have you. And I, I think the issue that Royal Caribbean may be facing more than anything, I think it's a two pronged problem. And one side is from Royal Caribbean and one side is on the family issue. Right. And that is, of course, you know, there are always going to be bad seeds in any group, whether we're talking about teens or adults, there are some that just do things they shouldn't be doing. Right. And on this particular sailing, it seemed like there were a lot of people who were complaining that there were issues with teens and being boisterous uh, after hours, certainly. Now, Royal Caribbean's official policy is anyone who's, you know, not an adult, there's a curfew of 1 a.m. And I, I think there, this is a two-pronged problem. Number one, I think Royal needs to be more, have more of a security presence on board around the ship, patrolling, if you will, to prevent these kinds of issues. I mean... You can't stop people from running down the halls. My kids run down the halls occasionally because it's just like something kids do. It's just, you know, they're going from point A to point B. They're not doing it to be to stomp their feet and be obnoxious. It's just a thing. And that is a fleeting thing. The more the bigger issue, I think, is when, you know, you've got a, lot, a large group. They're very loud and they're maybe doing things they shouldn't be doing. That's a different issue. And again, I think that Royal should do more to, you know, with their security force to, to patrol that, quite frankly. They don't need to be like oppressive about it by any means. But they should be doing more of it. Now, you can also argue they should also be doing more things like, you know, enforcing the the share hogs and things of that nature. Fine. Now, of course, the other side of the fence, you've got the parenting issue. And as a parent myself, you know, I would never let my kids do this. It, I understand the issue because when you got kids and they get older, it is very hard to rein them in because, you know, they don't want to do what you're doing. They get bored. They complain. They whine. After a while, you just, as a parent, you, just, you almost throw your hands up and say, whatever, do whatever you want. I don't care anymore because I want to enjoy my time here and you're annoying me, right? Um, I Trust me, I, I'm, I'm there already with my kids and I understand that concern. And Adventure Ocean and the Teen Club seems like a great idea, but as I talked about, alluded to earlier, you know, t the kids prefer to kind of do their own thing once they kind of form their social groups on board. But there is an onus on the parents to... Know what your kids are up to. If you remember the old, uh, the old, um, it wasn't a commercial. It was like a little thing. You'd be watching late night TV. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? I feel like that's kind of what we're talking about here on cruise ships. And that, uh, while I say that Royal Caribbean should do more to enforce maybe those rules and ensure that people aren't doing what they're not supposed to be doing, whether they are teens or adults, by the way, because let's not, let's face it. There are plenty of drunk adults who do things they shouldn't be doing. But for the purposes of this episode we're talking about here and the issues that were highlighted on this sailing, especially in the Facebook group for the sailing, I will simply say the onus is equally on the parents as it is on Royal Caribbean. And if your kids are acting up, that's no excuse for it as a parent. It's your responsibility. The buck stops with you there. And number one, I would be utterly um, irate with my kids if I ever found them doing something that would be worthy of, uh, you know, annoying somebody on, on uh, other guests to the point where it's a problem. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure my kids annoy other guests in the sense that, you know, I walk into the Diamond Lounge with my kids sometimes to get a drink. Well, they're not going to do anything crazy, but some people don't think kids would be the Diamond Lounge or the Sweet Lounge. That's a whole different issue altogether. What I'm talking about is, you know, the things that cross the line, certainly. And as a parent, you have to take responsibility for that. And yeah, you've got to rein your kids in. And I know you're on vacation and they're on vacation, but that's not an excuse to let them just run amok, right? So, you know, this is not a new phenomenon. I really want to highlight this. This is not something new. It just seemed to be exacerbated on this particular sailing. Because Royal Caribbean is doing a very good job of marketing their cruise lines to be a family product. And you've got, you know, grandma and grandpa, and you've got your parents, and you've got the kids and cousins on board. That is awesome. 
but it, that doesn't mean that the cruise ship, because it's a family destination, is a free-for-all necessarily. So um, I, I think that's something that I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to be as fair as I can. I'm not here to slam kids. I'm not here to slam parents. I'm here to simply say that it certainly seems to have been an issue on our sailing, not a major one, but I think something that was brought up enough times from other people around the ship that it seems like I, sh I wanted to talk about it. But I think if you're talking about a solution to the problem, like I said, number one, I think Royal should maybe, you know, it, it, I'm sure there was one reported to me. I'm sure Royal Caribbean heard from it as well. But number one, security could do a little bit more. But I also think the parenting could do a little bit more as well. And if you if you have both those sides doing what they should be doing more of, I, I think that really works to it. So that being said, now that I sound like an angry old man, let's move on to some other things. Um, and the internet on board. The internet, and of course, uh, Wonder of the Seas Starlink was absolutely terrible on this sailing. I don't know what happened. We were on Wonder in December, and it was great. Like, the internet was fantastic, really good. I went on Liberty this season in January. Once again, beautiful, amazing, great internet. You know, no issues. Intermittently, you might have an outage here, but that's, you know, that's satellite internet. But overall, great. On this sailing on Wonder in March, it was atrocious from the start. It was bad. It was slow, unresponsive, uh, and it just never let up. I thought at first, well, maybe there's some clouds. There's an, uh, whatever. Never happened. Never never stopped, rather. It just continued the entire second. I think one day it was okay, and the rest of the days were just like, you know, it, it felt like I was on, you know, a Voyager-class ship pre-Starlink. Like I was on Mariner. You used to have some of the worst internet. It really felt like that, and I don't know why. I had heard from other guests that they had complained to the Voom desk, and they said there was an issue with the satellites whatever that means i find that hard to believe only in the sense that starlink is a major service for both residential business and and, and marine and for a week like a day yes i can totally buy that a week i'm not so sure and and what i'm trying to get at from here is you know number one i don't ever take one sailing as indicative of everything that the fleet is doing but it certainly gave me pause and made me think maybe I, i've gone back and forth on starlink as to how good or not it's going to be. Uh, is it a victim of its own success? Don't know. But um, I, I'm not sure where the problem is, whether it is a networking issue on the ship, whether it was truly a satellite issue, whether it was something in between. Don't know. But I was very disappointed with the with the internet on board, and that's uh, that really is too bad. I mean, yes, I am a nerd, and you, say, well, you know, leave your phone at home, Matt. You know, well, have you met me? Because <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, let's move on to the dining, because on this cruise, one thing we wanted to really try was the new menus. I had tried the new menus on Liberty on a three-night cruise, but this one, I want to do the seven-night, like the real deal. Get a sense of truly what Royal Caribbean had in mind. So for this sailing, we had a group of eight of us at uh, early seating for dinner. Uh, and we were basically there to try this, the the main dining room, the new menus that rolled out at the start of the year. So for this one, we ate in the main dining room six of the seven nights. Only the other night, we we came back from a poor excursion too late, so we just went to the Windjammer. But we wanted to be able to test it out. And certainly, um, this was my family's first time with it, and the other people we were dining with, the other family, their first time with it. I had done the three-night new menus on Liberty, but, you know, this is a little bit different here, right? This is the some of those menus and four more, obviously. And first and foremost, the service, fantastic. Whether we're on Liberty or, or Wonder, uh, you were in and out in less than 90 minutes. Um, in some cases, uh, you'd be maybe a little smidge over an hour. In other cases, it was right up to that 90-minute mark. But it was consistent. We were always in and out of there right around 6.30 or so. Where our dinner started at 5, which seemed, I don't know why it varies from ship to ship, but it was very early, but, um, you know, it is what it is. We It's much better to me to, to dine at 7.30 than, you know, or sorry, 5 o'clock than, than 8 o'clock. But um, I, I will say that I certainly uh, found the speed and swiftness to be there. We were rarely sitting around waiting for food to be delivered. There was a good cadence to it. So one of the things Royal Caribbean really wanted to do with this new menu was to speed up the service and, and it be more efficient. And I got to say... They have hit a home run with that time and time again, whether it was the first day of the cruise, which pre new menus was notorious for being a slowed night to any other day. It was always right in the run that 60 to I'd say more like 70 to 90 minute window. And when I measure it, by the way, I'm measuring from like when you really sit down and get your menus till the desserts are served. And the reason I use that as my markers, because, well, obviously, when you sit down and get the menus, that's when the service begins. 
And then when your desserts are delivered, I mean, that's up to you then to finish your dessert, whether you have one bite, the whole thing, you sit there and you're a slow eater, you're a long eater, right? There's many things in between. Anyway, uh, the swiftness, absolutely there. The food itself was very good as well. Again, I've said this, you can go back to old episodes of the podcast going back, back many years. You know, the food in the main dining room has never been like, it doesn't blow me away. Not every single thing is like that. I would say most food in the dining room is somewhere between good and very good. There's a few outliers. Maybe you'll find one or two things that are like, wow, that was amazing. And one or two things that are like, I'm not ordering that again, right? But most of it is good to very good. And this was the case and very hot as well. I can't tell you how many times I burned my tongue on the French onion soup and the waiter warned me. And every time I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it this time. And no, I still burned my tongue. Soups were hot. Dishes were hot. No issues there. And, you know, for people that didn't like the change from the old menu to the new menu, number one, I'm still willing to say 75% of the old menu is still there, right? Uh, you still got the the spaghetti bolognese, French onion soup, escargot, Caesar salad, uh, New York strip steak. A lot of the items on the new menus are carryovers from the old menus. And then there's some new items as well, right? The biggest issue I think most people have with the new menus is the lack of the classics. In the old menu, you had a standby items that you could always order every night of the cruise. In addition, whatever else changed that day. Again, I felt like there was enough variety to make it work. Now, I'm there with uh, my wife, who is a, admittedly, by her own admission, a picky eater. And... She found stuff. I think there were one or two nights where she kind of struggled a little bit. In fact, one night she was like, I'm just going to order the chopped steak, which you can order. It's an extra add-on. It costs extra money there. I said, hey, listen, you're on vacation. You know, one night. That's totally fine. I understand. That's that's your, you know, no no worries at all there, right? Happy wife, happy life after all. But, but in all seriousness, you know, that was her, you know, she's, she looked at it and said, I prefer to, you know, just do that instead. But other nights she found something there. She never left hungry. And uh, they did a, I thought they did a very good job. With, with the new menus. And I like the new menus. And I think that uh, they, they certainly deliver on the promises that are there. I, I like the faster service. And I found that there was a good variety of food. You know, as you, I've talked about in the past, I really like the spaghetti bolognese. That was one of my favorite things from the old menu. And it was on the menu, uh, I, I want to say three or four nights. The French onion soup was there about three nights. Escargot was there at least two nights. So there was enough carryover to really make it feel like it was, you know, um, I, I wasn't missing out. I wasn't like, oh gosh, I only have one night of like spaghetti bolognese, right? There was still ample opportunity for that. And I liked it. I think they did a really nice job with it. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the changes. I like some of the new options that are on the menus there. And I generally, I, I never left hungry. <laughs> I think as the cruise went on, you know, I was ordering more entrees. I think one change though that I did notice that is worth mentioning is definitely, certainly, the portion sizes are a little bit smaller. Now, I was always ordering more than one entree anyway when I was in the main dining room. That was just my my MO. But certainly when you're on a cruise now, you know, two entrees is the old one entree. They're not like, you know, like a quarter of the size they were before, but they are a little bit smaller. So to me, it only, it, I'm just telling all of you, I think it's a good idea to order, you know, two or three entrees. And, um, I, I, oh, that reminds me also, you know, that's probably the other sticking point of the new menus is yes, they will, while they'll allow you to order more than one entree, no problem at all. They will only bring it to you one at a time. And for a lot of people that can be an issue if you like going between two dishes and I'm that kind of person, especially if I'm trying a dish. So like, let's say I order spaghetti bolognese and then I order, there was a stuffed red pepper one night. I've never had the stuffed red pepper. So I don't know, is it my favorite dish or am I going to have three bites of it and be like, I'm done with it. Right. So if you have the two items on the, if you have both entrees on your, on your table, well, you can always go between the two of them, right? But if you served, in this case, this is exactly what happened. They served the bolognese first and the pepper second. Well, not me, the bolognese. I'm like, well, should I fill up on this? Or why am I going to, you know, you never know, right? It is a downside. I would certainly prefer to have the, you know, all the entrees in front of me so I could pick and choose and kind of go between them, you know, whether it's surf and turf or whatever. I get that. I'm with you on that one. Do I think it's a big deal? No, not really. I got used to it, and it is what it is. But, um, again, considering the speed of service and that when I finished one entree, I had the second one almost immediately, it was huge. And ultimately, I decided to tell myself that if I got something that I truly did not like, like, I, you know, I, and the, the pepper was okay. It wasn't my favorite, but, you know, it was fine. If I didn't love it, and I was still hungry. 
you can always ask for another entree. Be like, you know what? I'm sorry. Uh, I really didn't love this thing. Can I get like, you know, another spaghetti bolognese? Or can I get something else off the menu that, you know, wasn't there? They can accommodate you on that one. So it's not like to say that you got to order and that's it. Your hands are tied in that respect. So um, the new menu certainly, you know, I, again, I'm giving the thumbs up on them. I enjoyed them. I thought they they were good for uh, the, the changes that were there. And nothing's perfect, but I do like where the direction it's going. And the speed of service, if nothing else, was totally worth it. So there you go on the new menus. In terms of our accommodations on this cruise, so we did a grand suite, excuse me, an owner suite. Uh, for this cruise is a one bedroom owner suite. Uh, of course, it was my kids, uh, my two daughters, and my wife and I. And the, I'll give you the good and the bad. The good was the owner suite. The bedroom has actual doors, not a curtain that separates the bedroom from the living room because the kids were sleeping in the living room, and that was awesome. So there was an actual uh, I forget what the word is, but the doors like slide in and out. They don't open out. Well, there's a word for that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so we had good separation light and mostly sound. I mean, you can still hear each other, but I mean, you know, it was, it was certainly better than a curtain. So I love that aspect of it. Plenty of living space. Uh, we were on deck 18, which meant we were a mere few steps from the suite deck, which was fantastic. The downside to this room, there's only one bathroom. And I've talked about this in the past and I've said this in the past, but I really mean it now. I am never sharing a bathroom with my kids again. One bathroom for four people, especially as my daughters are getting older. Oh, Gosh, it was, <laughs> I regretted it by day two already. And um, to that point for our cruise on Navigator in the seas we've got coming up, which is our next sailing, we have a one and a half bath and I'm trying to rethink that one now because it was, it's just, you know, listen, as kids get older, they spend more time in the bathroom. I joke with them, they sing songs in there. I'm like, no singing, just just do your business and get out of there. And we actually, it was nice was they had a, a stand-up shower and a bathtub that had a shower handle as well. So actually, both girls could go in there and do their business, but the it just you know it it became this fight every time we got back to the ship on a shore excursion or getting ready for dinner, and it just was like I, I was over it very quickly. So I've said it before, I will say it again: families get get either get a room that has two bathrooms, full bathrooms, or get two rooms. And I'm going to as 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 God is my witness, I'll never go hungry. I mean, I'll never book to one bathroom again. Uh, it was not to my liking, uh, lesson learned. And I've, and listen, this was a lesson that I thought I had learned, but now I really learned it. So, you know, don't feel too bad for me. The suite was nice. Um, it was, you know, uh, the, the, it's just one of those realities of family cruising. And this definitely reinforced it that, uh, yeah, we're definitely not doing that again. So that being said, uh, the cabin was wonderful. You know, the, the location is great. I would say when it, it's interesting. I, I've talked about, I think I've talked about this in the past, where we stayed in aqua theater suites, and I've always complained about the walk from the elevator to the aqua theater. I take all that back. I would much rather do now the walk from the elevators to the aqua theater than be reliant on the elevators at deck 17 and deck 18. So while I really love the convenience of being close to the suite lounge and the, and the suite deck, man, those elevators, because in deck 17 and deck 18, you only use the rear elevators and... You can only use half the elevators up there because uh, half of them stop at deck 16, the other half will go up to 18. It was a, re it just became like, I, I oftentimes I was in the elevator and I was like, man, I really wish I was on deck eight right now. People who are in deck eight, you can easily get back and forth. You can use the stairs, I should say, back and forth if need be. Whereas if you're on deck 18 and you got to go down to deck five, I mean, 15 decks. Uh, actually, that, that math doesn't work. 13 decks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, that's a lot, right? And yeah, going downstairs is not terrible, but going up, forget, you know, forget about it. That's not happening. I, I just call me spoiled because I am. Uh, I, I would now say I much prefer a suite on a lower deck if I'm going to stay in a suite again uh, for that. So it is what it is. I know it's a very uh, first world problem, but I will point that out there. The other, I think the other issue was because we had a lot of friends on board, we had two different families we were cruising with and they were not staying in a suite. It meant we spent far less time in the suite areas because if we spend time in the suite deck and the suite lounge, that's great for us, but then we're not really getting to spend a lot of time with them, especially in the evening hours. And I didn't want to do that. So I enjoyed the room. I enjoyed the amenities and the perks. And it's really nice when you're staying in a suite to have priority embarkation, priority disembarkation. That was wonderful. Um, you know, the, the ability to order room service a couple of times, my kids were able to just, you know, order food to the room 
and which is great. Uh, you know, my, my and there's no by the way, room service is free when you're staying in a suite. So that's a really nice benefit. You know, I, I love all those perks there, um, but it definitely behooves you, or at least is far more advantageous if you really take advantage of being in the suite lounge and the suite deck because the suite sun deck on Wonder of the Seas was awesome. So when we got back to the room and my kids would go back to the cabin and immediately hog the shower, I would just be like, okay, whatever. And I would, well, I would say whatever. I'd still be angry. <laughs> I'd go to the sweet sun deck and I'd lay out there because I love the sweet sun deck. Tons of shade, great views, great breeze out there. There's a bar, there's a hot tub. I like that quite a bit. And because it was only a couple steps from our cabin, it meant that it was very convenient. So I got to say, if you're looking for the best Sweet experience overall on a roller coaster cruise ship. I think it's definitely got to be Wonder of the Seas right now because of the if you're staying in a in a cabin that's on deck 17 or 18 because of that convenience factor uh, overall. In terms of the ports we visited, uh, we did a couple different things. So in Saint Kitts, we got a day pass to a resort through ResortPass.com. Usually we book our day passes through ResortForAday.com, but I think they were sold out by the time we looked at it. But then we found this option through ResortPass.com. Very similar option except not only can you get day passes, you can actually get a day room. So it gives you admission uh, to, the, to the resort. In this case, this was the St. Kitts Marriott Resort and the Royal Beach Casino. And it, you not only got the day pass, you actually got a room to use for the day. The price was $195 for the room. And that included for two adults, two kids for free on this particular result, resort. rather. So for, with tax and all that, it was $242.78. And you got admission to the resort and the room. Now, this is not an all-inclusive, so there wasn't any food or beverage included. Uh, you got a slight discount on food and beverage, but I wouldn't really write home about that. But you got a private guest room that you could use from 9 to 5 p.m. In addition to the day passes, which included access to the pool and, and the beach. And I thought this was a great idea because, first of all, we had a full day there. So that was number one. Number two, you get access to the – they had a great pool – the beach was beautiful. Um, that that's all that, and, and we've been there, done that. We talked about you know day passes, and I love this. It's a great family option. But we also had the hotel room to use. Well, why do we care about a hotel room? Well, number one, it has a shower, it has a bed, and it has air conditioning. And with my kids, you know, we get there in the morning. They're all full of energy. They're they're swimming. They're splashing. Great. They have lunch. They go back to splashing. But you know, like. One o'clock, two o'clock, they're, they're starting to run out of energy a little bit. And it's nice to have a room to go back to, to, you know, take a nap and enjoy some air conditioning, cool down a little bit. It wasn't the hottest day of the year by any means, but it was so nice having that. My oldest daughter was like at like right after lunch. She was like, you know, I'm a little tired. I'm going to go take a nap. And I was like, good, go do it. Right. And my only regret was, and I, I meant to do it and I forgot to, you know, you could also at the end of the day. Uh, take your, uh, you know, if you packed clothing, a change of clothes, you didn't have to wear your wet bathing suit back to the cruise ship, which is always, I hate that feeling. Anyway, we, you know, we could have gone back to the room, showered and changed. Now, again, I forgot to pack the change of clothing, but nonetheless, I really liked uh, having that room there. And so uh, I got to say resortpass.com, which I have no affiliation with at all, just pointing it out there, is where we booked it. I think it's the Marriott Resort was great. Uh, the two issues, a couple issues with the resort, but this is just, you know, nitpicking. Number one. At the pool, there is no shade. I mean, they have these chairs, lounge chairs that have a little cover over them. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but basically, on the back of the chair, there's a little, it's not an umbrella, but it's a cloth covering that goes on top of it, which is supposed to give you shade, assuming you angle your chair at the right position for where the sun is. So it kind of works like half as good as it probably should. But they have, other than that, there's no shade at all. Like, nothing. I mean, I, there's like no trees near the pool at all. So uh, if you are averse, to the sun this is maybe not the best pool for you the beach did have these they're not palapas but they're little huts that you can get at first come first serve um you know in terms of the chair hogging situation it was about average we got there early enough that we could find a chair either at the pool or the beach but obviously if you roll into one or the other later in the afternoon you're probably not getting one regardless of that fact this one the other issue was there was a lot of seaweed on the beach um this is a issue across all ports whether we're talking about st kitts or cozumel or costa maya this is just the Saragossa, maybe you want to look it up. There's a whole issue with it. Anyway, um, there was some there. It was the nice thing was the beach had a, it was on the Atlantic side, but there was a rock barrier, which kept the waves out primarily and also kept some of the seaweed to minimum. But if you look down the beach, I mean, there was really literally like knee deep 
seaweed on the beach. Again, this is just like this is not a St. Kitts Marriott resort problem. This is a you're gonna find this almost anywhere. So it, it is what it is, but and, and it can be seasonal, so whatever. Number three, uh, as I mentioned, the food was not included, so there is food to purchase here. Being a Marriott, number one, the food is not gonna be authentic by any means. But number two, more importantly, you're gonna be paying American prices for average food at best. I mean, we had there there was a pizza station and we got pizza for the kids, and I have to say, I had a slice of it. It might have been one of the worst pieces of pizza I've ever had in my life. I mean, it was it, you you kind of wonder how hard is it to screw up pizza? This was truly terrible. But, you know, we had, you know, I got a jerk chicken sandwich and my wife got a burger and they were just okay. It's your typical resort frozen food reheated. I mean, it's fine, but you know, you're paying 20 bucks for the sandwich and 20 bucks for the burger and probably 20 bucks for that awful pizza. So it ain't going to be cheap, right? for the food, but we were there because we wanted to have the amenities and my, you know, we had, but we would spend time at the pool. We spent time at the beach. We're more pool people than beach people, but I like the idea of getting off the ship and being able to enjoy the facilities here. And I think it really does delivered on it. And I think, I still think it was worth the money to go here. And I would definitely go back again. Just you have to keep in mind some of these issues that you may have there. Uh, but I, I thought this was a great little trick for the, uh, for the resort number two in St. Thomas. So, I think I've talked about this as well in the past. I love St. John. St. Thomas is great, but I love St. John. It is the most beautiful beach I've ever been to in my life. I want to go back, and I always struggle with a way to find a way to get there. So before the cruise, I'm looking through some options, and I found a option for, again, for this one, we had myself and uh, two other families. So there were 12 of us total. And we were like, well, let's go through, let's, let's do a private tour of some kind to St. John. Okay, well, First thing I went through Royal Caribbean's private journeys, which is the option to book a private tour through Royal Caribbean. I sent a request in through the online form. I'm going to say at least two months ahead of time, at least. And I received no response at all. Nothing. No follow-up. No thanks for the email. Zip zero nada, which since the pandemic has been par for the course, and I almost have to say at this point, you're wasting your time reaching out to private journeys. That being said, there is a phone number. I didn't try calling them, so maybe that's on me. Anyway. So I'm like, all right, well, uh, you know, uh, I would say about, um, it wasn't even a month. It was more like three weeks before the sailing. I was like, we got to figure something out here. So I went and I looked at some boat options to have a charter for us and our families to go to St. John. And I looked at some options. And this is not the cheapest option out there, but I did find through a company called Sonic Charters, a great, great uh, charter take us from St. Thomas to St. John. Now, here's what I love about Number one, they picked you up at the St. Thomas Marina, which is a stone's throw away from the cruise ships. When you get off your cruise ship, you walk through the port area to the, where the taxis are. You go through the parking lot, and the entrance of the marina is right there. There's no taxi required. Super simple. We walk through there. Uh, our, our pickup time was 9 o'clock. Sure enough, right at 9 o'clock, the, the boat pulls up. Captain comes on. It, it was the captain. It was, I don't know what you'd call her, first mate. I think that's kind of, I don't know if it's derogatory or not to call someone a first mate at this point, but assistant person on there. So two people, you got uh, snacks provided. You've got uh, open bar. There was uh, cocktails and beers and sodas and water that you can enjoy. And they in, at, it was a private thing just for the 12 of us. And they took us from St. Thomas to a snorkeling. We do whatever we wanted. I mean, we just basically said, hey, you know, let's do snorkeling. Let's do the beach also because I really wanted to do beach time as well. So first it took us to a snorkeling spot in St. John. And then we took the, the ride over to Honeymoon Beach because that's the best beach for a boat to get close enough to the shore. You can swim to shore. And that's exactly what we did. And they provided the flippers and the snorkel gear and all that. Service was great. They had Bluetooth speakers. It was a phenomenal day. Now, this tour is not cheap, right? It was about $2,000 for the 12 of us to split that cost up among three families or divided by per person. Not cheap, but it's a private tour, number one. And it was uh, a fair amount included there. I thought this is one of the best tours we ever did. I loved it. Um, St. John's is, I, I can't explain in words how beautiful it was. The water was crystal clear, not like crystal clear, crystal clear, that perfect hue of blue. Oh, I, I wish, I mean, honestly, I wish we could have spent all day over there. I know it's kind of boring. I think they were like, well, don't you want to go snorkel and see animals? No, I want to swim at the beach. I want to enjoy my time there. 
Uh, I would also argue the problem with swimming to shore is that it's it's very difficult to bring supplies, aka drinks, with you or food for that matter. Um, so next time, if we do this again, and we will do this again, I promise you that uh, we will figure out a way to ferry supplies over to shore. But it was oh, it was a beautiful day. Absolutely loved it. And then at perfect day at Coco Key, uh, we had no plans. Um, you know, we we looked at some of the options you could book through Royal Caribbean. I think the pricing for some of these options, like the cabanas and the, the beach club and the water park, the prices have gotten insane. And listen, I like the prices at the old prices. I'm not paying, you know, $3,000 for a cabana. <laughs> I love the cabanas. I ain't paying that price for that. And so I said, no, we're just going to enjoy a nice day at the beach. Because listen, at the end of the day, there is plenty to do at Coco Key without paying extra for it. And so we went to Chill Island because we've spent a lot of time at... Uh, primarily uh, the Oasis Lagoon, even South Beach, something's about. Let's go back to Chill Island. So we got there. We First of all, we took our time getting off the ship. It was probably about, I think we walked up right around 10 a.m. or so. So we got to Chill Island, you know, 10, 15, 10, 30, whatever it was. And so number one, Freedom of the Seas had been there for a couple hours before we our ship even got there. And number two, we were not the first people off Wonder. So it was busy, but we were able to find chairs uh, towards, uh, if you start walking how do I describe this? I guess if you start walking towards the southern part of the island, uh, there was there's still plenty of chairs to get there. At first, I was like, oh, man, we're not going to get a chair. But then as I walked back, I was like, oh, there are plenty of chairs here. Okay, we're good. Got our chairs, plenty of shade. Kids loved the water was freezing. Holy moly. I really was surprised how cold the water was, the ocean water. But, you know, it is what it is. I I mean, we still went in it. You just got to, yeah, you, I went in there gingerly. Let's put it that way. But. Still had no issues getting in and was able to enjoy our day there. And it was great for what it is. I mean, I'm spoiled uh, because I'm able to go to Coco Key so many times. So I'm not like really hard-pressed to be like, oh, let's go maximize every single minute there. If you're somebody that's listening who's never been to Coco Key or you only are able to go you know, once a year, once every couple of years, that's a whole different story, right? And I get that. So uh, I think you had to approach differently depending on those situations. But if you're able to go to Coco Key often enough, you know, I think for us, we had a great time at at Chill Island. The nice thing about Chill Island is that it's very close also to the Captain's Grill, which is the buffet area. And so we were able to quickly grab something to eat. I, I loved it. I, we had a very nice day, beautiful weather. Um, the water could have been warmer, but it's March and, you know, it's still, you know, winter, spring, whatever you want to call it in the Caribbean and or Bahamas in this case. And it was it was a nice day. We had a really nice time. I like Chill Island. Uh, You know, Matt, where would you go tomorrow if you're going to to Kukuki again? I don't have a problem with Chill Island. I think, you know, I would probably mix it up and just go somewhere else just for the sake because I just literally just went to Chill Island. But I like it a lot. The nice thing about Chill Island is there is very, unless somebody brings music with them, like in a Bluetooth speaker, you're not going to hear any music out there. It's very quieter. It's more of the classic experience, which is by design, by the way. That's what Real Caribbean wants. I'm very interested to see how things, the, the dynamic of everything once the new adult-only area opens in December because that'll be kind of the, the the next phase and that'll I think that'll shift the some of the where where some of the the party scene is and if that draws more people away from there who knows anyway we'll, we'll more on that later on but had a great time at Chill Island and that was it uh, other than that Wonder was was great um, we had a nice time on there the casino was packed I think we spent more time at the bar than we did actually playing games because uh, boy if, if people I People come out of the woodwork to go to the casino. I don't ever remember being quite this busy, but it's just like, honestly, at this point, if you're going to gamble, your best bet is in the afternoon or after midnight. Because if you're trying to gamble between 7 p.m. and midnight, I mean, good luck. I mean, you can find spaces occasionally, but it was busy, 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 busy. And good for Royal Caribbean, I guess. It's just, uh, you know, it, it was tough there. So, you know, the forces to go, you know, enjoy the places like the Mason Jar and the pub. And I got to say, uh, Kevin Phillips in the pub, one of the best in the fleet. The Mason Jar, love the drinks there. We went to brunch at the Mason Jar. That was one of our, we went to also the Playmakers for lunch as well. So one of the few um, specialty restaurants we did, and it was good. I think the dinner menu is stronger. I just prefer it. I think it's more personal preference, right? Like I just, I find more to enjoy on the dinner menu than I do on the brunch menu. But that's, that's a me thing because, you know, I just don't eat a lot, like, you know, eggs Benedict isn't my thing. So that's just on me. Anyway, but it was still good. Enjoyed that quite a bit. And we had a, we had a really good time on Wonder. Um, it, it, you know, you can't go wrong with a new ship to begin with. And the Oasis class and the, and the great shows on board. Um, we, we really enjoyed our time on the Wonder of the Seas. 
time to answer your listener emails. Yes, I've just rambled on for uh, 39 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to ramble on, but this time I answer your questions instead. And you can always email me your questions, Matt, at royalcreamblog.com. First email is from Joseph Belloveri. Hope I said that right. After reading your February 14th blog post about Icon of the Seas, I was wondering which Royal Caribbean ship was the first to claim the largest cruise ship in the world. Also, has Royal Caribbean ever relinquished the title only to regain it back? Thanks for all the info and that you and your staff do. Wait, this is a great question. I want to say Sovereign of the Seas was the biggest ship in the world when she debuted. She was the first mega ship. And I got to think that's the case. And I think ever since... Well, I don't That's a really good question about the second part. Have they ever relinquished the title? They have not since the Oasis class. And I think even before that, the Freedom class was still the biggest ships in the world. Because if you look up the, uh, you know, the, the list of the biggest cruise ships in the world, right? Um, there's a, I'm going off Wikipedia here. So, you know, you're who knows if this is right. But, um, you know, number six will be MSA World Europa. She's not even out yet. You got a PO cruise came out 22, so that's not the case. I'm looking for something that was like before the Oasis class. Um, but yeah, maybe like it's the Voyager class and the Freedom class. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, you'd have to really go down before like the Voyager class, things like that, uh, to, to really get a, a ship that was of the size or that exceeded the Voyager and Freedom class ships. But Royal has really been dominant in that regard. I think, honestly, the biggest cruise ship in the world doesn't matter. It's just marketing. It doesn't matter, like, in the grand scheme of things. But it's nice to be able to say you go on there, and I think people definitely do pay attention to that. And I think Royal Caribbean has certainly, like, you know, at one point when the Icon class was announced, they said it was going to be smaller than the Oasis class. And I think that somebody was like, well, it would really help our cause from a marketing standpoint if we could say that's the biggest, at least from gross tonnage. So it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, that's a really interesting question. Never got that one before. Next email is from Laura. Hey, Matt. My husband and I are booked on our first cruise on Anthem of the Seas in March of 2024. We took your advice to book as early as possible to take advantage of potentially lower cruise fares. And with that, we managed to find a balcony room that was less than $150 more uh, that was less than $150 more expensive per person than an interior room. Prior to booking, and especially now after we have that book, we've enjoyed listening, reading, and watching your content from Royal Caribbean Blog. Major thank you to you and your team for crafting and sharing a wealth of Royal Caribbean information. I have two questions about how my time in traditional dining works on Anthem of the Seas with their multiple main dining room restaurants. First, do you happen to know which of the four restaurants are allocated to traditional dining versus which are allocated to my time? Personally, I think the different decor styles in each of the rooms are interesting, but if possible, I'd like to have the opportunity to dine in as many of the different rooms as I can. So, uh, Laura, basically, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Once upon a time, it did. But essentially, it's just like eating on deck three or deck four or deck five of a Voyager or an Oasis class ship. Um, there's one that's going to be, you're going to be in the same room the entire time, which for whichever one you pick. And the while the decor may be different, you're not going to move between them. It's going to be the same. You're going to see it on the bottom of your sheet pass card. It'll say, you know, deck three or, you know, this table. And that's it. Uh, in your case on Anthem, it might actually say, you know, which particular room it is, whether, you know, American Icon or... or at this point, I've almost forgotten the names of the other ones, quite frankly. But it doesn't matter. The the menu's the same. You won't change. Um, so, yeah. Second, my husband and I are currently booked for My Time Dining. We're planning on taking your advice. You have yet to answer us wrong and make our My Time Dining reservations as far ahead as we can before boarding the ship. Do you know if when we make our reservations, we can also see which dining rooms we are assigned to, or is it something that we will want to double check when we visit the main dining room after we board on embarkation day? Again, thank you for everything that you and your team at Royal Caribbean Blog do to make our cruisers' lives easier. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate you. Um, as far as I know, this is true for my time as well. You won't know your table or deck until you actually get on board the ship. Certainly with traditional, it's always a mystery until you get on board and you look at the bottom of your pass card to check it out there. So... Um, I wish I gave you a better answer than that, but I think that's really the case there. And with my time, as you know, number one, you're doing the right thing, making reservations ahead of time. Number two, you're, uh, you know, it's subject to availability in, in, in some cases. You may get the same wait time. You may not get every the, every night. So that will also dictate where your table assignment is. So, yeah, you won't know until you actually the day of the, you're dining there. That's the nature of my time is that they can fit you in. Now, you can request, Laura. You can say, hey, listen, we really liked being at this table because we had those waiters. Can we do that again? And they can, you put that request in there. You may have to wait a little bit longer for a table to open up. So that is an option for you as well. Um, so thank you, Laura, for the email. Next question is from Frank Sincata. Hey, Matt, I'm a huge fan of the blogs and an avid cruiser. 
I've been seeing some mixed information via some Facebook groups, but I'm, I'm in, but I haven't seen, maybe I missed it, any official information about Royal Caribbean blog recording the frequency of room cleanings. One of our favorite things about cruising is having the fresh towels twice a day and turn down service. So I'd totally be bummed if they scaled this back. Any update on whether Royal is shifting to once a day cadence or is the policy ship by ship currently? Thanks for all you do to keep us informed as possible with all things Royal related. Frank, you, I think you sent this email in before we I posted about this. I did post an update about this. So the Royal Caribbean is systematically moving towards going um, to once a day for non-suites, anything below a junior suite. Um, but as of the recording of this podcast, it is still very much ship to ship. It's not fleet wide yet, but it's moving in that direction. And I don't know, Frank, when it's going to be on this ship or that ship or when they're going to finish it. That schedule has not been divulged. So I would say, depending on when your cruise is, there's probably a good chance that it will go to once a day if you're not staying in a suite. Now, if that is important to you, you could book a junior suite or above and get twice a day. When I was on Wonder of the Seas, we had Wonder had already moved rest of the rooms to once a day, but because we were in a suite, we got it twice a day. And I got to say that I, listen, in a perfect world, I would love for it to be twice a day. I like twice a day. I mean, yeah, no, I don't, no, I don't clean my room twice a day at home. I go to a hotel, I go to a resort on land. They definitely don't do that at all. I, I get that, but I liked it. It was a nice little tradition or what do you want to call it of, of, of cruising. And I, and I enjoy that aspect. And I'm particularly, I particularly like the idea that, you know, if I took a you know nap in the afternoon, that the bed would be made up again for me for, for for sleep that evening. That was a nice perk to it. Now I think most people end up doing well, I say most people, a lot of people end up doing the afternoon service. The number one, if you're sleeping in, you don't have to worry about you know coming back and the and the room attendant is there changing over your room still. But in terms of the towels, I mean you can always ask for more towels. There's no reason why number one you can't say hey can you bring some extra towels to begin with you know give me double the, what I would usually use. Or if you really are in a bind, you know you. Pick up the house, pick up the phone. There's a housekeeping button. Hey, can I get more towels, please? And they'll bring you more towels. So it's not like it's, you're you're gonna be out in the dark without any extra towels there. So I just want to put that out there as another idea for you to consider. All right, thanks for the email. And our next email is from Becky. Uh, what's this? Becky, comma London. So either Becky from London or Becky London. I'm not sure. Anyway, hi Matt. I'm a first time cruiser going on Odyssey of the Seas for an eight night Greek Isles cruise in September. For my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. My siblings and I want a club together to get something for my parents to make it a little more special for them. So I have two questions. Number one, my dad booked the cruise for everybody. If we bought the room decoration or food gifts like strawberries or champagne as a surprise, would he be able to see it in advance of his booking? Possibly, yes. Um, if you look at his order history, I believe it does pop in over there. Even though you booked it, this is a... I guess we'll, we'll call it a fault of Royal Caribbean system is that it's not very good at doing surprises like this. In fact, in a lot of cases, Becky, when you do, when you purchase things like a room decoration or a food gift, they send a confirmation like a week before the cruise, like, Hey, this is confirmed for your sailing. I was like, what? Um, so yeah. And there's no other way around. There's no option. Unless the only other option, Becky, is if you decorate the room, right? You bring the decorations, you speak to your state room attendant and be like, Hey, listen, on this day, and I, I want to sneak into the room and, and decorate it. Can you help me out here? And they'll know that you're together and all that. But other than that, it is what it is. Maybe, I mean, again, does your, is your dad going to check the cruise planner that closely? Or more importantly, check the past purchases? That's more the question than anything else, but he could possibly see it. Um, so, yeah. Number two, apart from gifts in the room, what other options are there to elevate the cruise experience for them? Love the podcast. Can't wait for the next, until my first cruise. Ooh, thank you very much, Becky. Uh, a couple things. Number one, especially dining. Uh, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, if you're going on Odyssey of the Seas, you want to have something special, take them out to dinner. Take them out to Giovanni Italian Kitchen. I love that restaurant. I love the new menu there. It's really good. I would do that. Number two, you could book a private shore excursion. You want to elevate, like nothing. I talked about earlier in this podcast about the, the boat we rented. I got to tell you, Becky, in my experience, the best tours, the best excursions are private ones, especially in the Greek Isles. I mean, you can do something where it's just you and your family, nobody else. Go at your pace. Tell, you spend time together without other people around. I, I got to tell you, that is one of the best ways you spend extra money uh, on your cruise. So hopefully, Becky, that answers your question there. And our last email today is from somebody who doesn't put their name here. Hi, Matt. My wife and I will be sailing on Grandeur of the Seas on July 29th, going to Cozumel, Roatan, and Belize and Costa Maya. 
I'll be an electric scooter due to arthritis in both knees. I can walk short distances uh -huh. and stand for short periods of time. I'm looking for suggestions for accessible excursions in the following ports that we can either book through Royal Caribbean or third party. Number one, Cozumel. We'll probably do Nachikogum unless you can suggest something else. Number two, Roatan. We've never been, so really need help here. Belize, never been, so really need help here. And Costa Maya. We'll probably do Crazy Lobster unless you can suggest something else. Love your channel. Look forward to the, every video you put out. Thanks in advance for any recommendations that you can assist us with. Well, this was from uh, Sean and Maria Teal. Hope I said that right. Um, so, okay. Cozumel. Nachi's great. If you want something actually a little bit easier and requires no taxi ride, you and there's sidewalk. You can easily uh, take your uh, electric scooter out there. Uh, Del Mar Latino uh, Beach Club. You can. It's about a 10-minute walk, maybe, from the port. Once you get out of the port, anyway. Uh, it's right down uh, the main road there. Easy to get to. The only downside to Del Mar is they don't have a beach, like sandy beach. They have water access, but it's it's like a pier. If you care about that, but there's a great pool. Um, it's limited capacity, just like Nachi. Cheaper than Nachi. Might be a good alternative. Roatan. I would look at anything that goes to Little French Key. There's a number of great tours that are out there. There's a website that I've recommended. I've not used it, but I've heard good things about it. Uh, that is uh, Discover. Roatan uh, is the website discoverroatan.net. Um, they have some good tours. There's a ton of tours that are out there, but really something goes a little French key is really to go to. Belize is tough. Um, I've only been to Belize twice. It, number one by far, snorkeling or scuba diving is the thing to do there. So if that's out, we did a tour once through private journeys that took us to the Belize Zoo, and then a beach and a restaurant. And it was very good. I mean, enjoyed it. But as I alluded to earlier in this episode, Private Journeys has been MIA. I I'm sure they still exist, but I have yet to get them to like, that's not true. I did get them to work once we were in um, a Navigator last year. But besides the fact, they've been very hit or miss, mostly missed in terms of actually getting back to you. So I, I don't know. I would re reach out to them for some tour ideas in Belize. I don't have any, I, I don't know much about the third party. I've only been there twice. So I don't have much of a good experience or recommendations there. Goes to Maya. Crazy Lobster's fine. Um, the other thing I recommend if you're not going to... Maya Chan is my favorite thing to do in Costa Maya, followed by uh, Jamie's at Blue Reef. Both are great choices. Uh, they're both all-inclusive, so whether or not you're sick of those, maybe you want something different, I don't know. Um, by the way, for Roatan, something else I forgot to mention for Roatan, I, it's like a little French key. But if you're looking for another, you know, kind of all-inclusive beach day, through Royal Caribbean, you can book the Mayan Princess Resort. It's a great choice there. Thank you to Sean and Maria. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Real Caribbean Blog Podcast. If I can answer your emails, please feel free to send them over to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RealCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, at RealCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, this has been Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.